Hey guys, it's Siege here. As you know, TC and I are brand new to this podcast game and are still learning the ropes. We noticed some audio issues this episode and wanted to let you know that we noticed it. We we're working on it and hope you enjoy the episode nonetheless. Here it goes. Hello, 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 and welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. <laughs> uh, your Boy Meets World fan cast. I'm Siege. And I'm TC. And uh, yeah, uh, are you... Okay, so we kind of hit on this a little bit, but this is like you and I diving back into it after a while from watching the the episode, which is unusual yeah. for us. Yeah, it's it's been a little while since we've seen this episode, so I'm hoping that we kind of hit the points we want. I, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be good. Uh, let's go into the tell me about it from there, because I'm really excited to talk about this episode. Uh, yeah, so this is episode three of season one. Yes, Father Knows Less. Uh, Father Knows Less, yes. And the Hulu description is, Corey fails a test at school after staying up late with his dad. Um, and, and where are you at with that? I, I think that's pretty accurate. I think that, um, it's, it, obviously the story is about more than that, but for a one sentence description, I think it does fine. Yeah. No. The last episodes. Yeah. It's way better than the last episode. As a matter of fact, I re-listened to our last episode and I was like, it was way off, uh, that yeah. description. It wasn't so even close. This one actually does summarize it, uh, pretty well. So, uh, in the opening scene of Father Knows Less, uh, Corey and Alan are making sandwiches, um, and you don't Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're making ridiculous sandwiches. They're making like an entire package of bologna in between two pieces of bread sandwiches. Exactly. I thought about <laughs> that. I was like, this is absurd, but it, it's kind of like the sitcom absurdity, but at the exact same Also, um, did you eat bologna this much as a kid? I was going to bring this up, and I love that you did. I hated bologna. I mean, yeah. hated bologna. Um, it's not good. <laughs> I remember I tell this joke uh, or this story very often. When I was younger, my mom did like a road trip and she was like, instead of like stopping, I'm just going to buy food. And she bought bologna and I was like, I will not eat that. And she was like, well, this is all that there is going to be. So if you don't eat it, you won't eat. Guess who didn't eat? I was completely proud of it because I yeah. didn't eat bologna. <laughs> Uh, but then later on, I found out that I had this pork allergy. So maybe that was all that was possibly, about. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> but yeah, bologna so, for me just seems real nineties for whatever reason. I just I don't feel like it's a sandwich that like lived past my childhood. And maybe that's just because only children eat it. But you're right. For me, now it just seems very distinct to that decade. I don't even think that like we don't even. So, like, college kids eating bologna anymore. Like, bologna's... Yeah, it's just not a thing you hear anymore. Yeah, bologna was very 90s. Oh, did you ever have that? Um, I didn't eat it, but do you, you mean the red... The ribbon? red string around the bologna? <laughs> yes, man. That's, that's gummit bologna. <laughs> gummit. Oh, wow. bologna. Oh, oh wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> So stop. I'm not trying to shame anyone's baloney choices. Um, Corey kind of mimics everything that Alan is doing this while they're making the sandwich as well. Like, you know, yeah, they like, have their monster baloney sandwich. They're both pouring mustard on it. Um, and they're like, oh, even they, they put it in the lunch bag. and They're like, oh, the bag feels light. Yeah. And need so they something. dump a bunch of chips in it. <laughs> Which I like. There's That's also a very... Um, a TV trope of someone who eats a lot. It's like uh, they they take food crafting so seriously. You know, it's just kind sure. of like a, it, it, it's missing something. And I, I feel I, like I've seen on several sitcoms like people like try to prepare like a really good sandwich. Like yeah. I feel like like on Fresh Prince I've seen it on Family Matters I've seen it on just a few different shows. And then like for whatever reason, like typically the trope is their sandwich experience gets ruined. For whatever reason, like someone tries to eat the sandwich or there's a noise where they can't enjoy it. It's a very sitcom thing to do. You know, I'm not going to lie. A good sandwich is maybe one of those simple pleasures in life that is just underrated. Like a really no relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. A really good sandwich, man. Ah, like a public sub. Pub sub, y'all up, y'all up north and up west don't even know about pub sub. Yeah, shout out to public subs, man. But okay, yeah, we go back there and um, 
Oh, so you mentioned it earlier, and I just wanted to note this. They pour the whole bag of chips into the paper bag. They're lunch bags. And they I'm have like, a brown paper lunch bag. Yeah. yeah I'm like, Does this family know how paper bags work? Like, apparently, no one in the Matthews family. Well, well, I will say this, that Alan has an, a family-sized bag of potato chips, and Corey has a single-serving bag Aww. of potato chips, which I thought was cute, but... In the last episode, they were just talking about how, like, middle class they were and how, like, they just don't really have tons of money. But Alan seems to be wasting an entire bag of potato chips. Well, he also works at the market. So for all we know, those chips were, like, on sale. <laughs> he, he got the hookup on the chips. Weren't <laughs> yeah. Okay, so food-wise, they're covered. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good as well. Um, and then enters Amy, and Amy comes in. And, you know, it's like, again, there was this father-son, the little moment of, like, the little boy mimicking everything that his dad does uh and comes amy and comes mom to like disrupt the fun as you know again in this father son moment and she's like you know she throws in an apple to make sure they're eating well and we kind of see what this whole uh evening is about uh apparently yeah well they have that joke of just like uh Corey's like oh come on mom we want manly food and then she gives it puts the apple in the bag and says come on core momly food <laughs> Yeah, again, that's very, it's very cheesy. Uh, but I like it. I think we're, I think this episode is going to be another one kind of off the backs of what we discussed in the previous episode where it's like, we're going to be very family centric. It's very, um, kind of ABC family ish, but I feel it's also a little bit more in line with the Boy Meets World we're familiar with. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely feel that the storyline is is more of a first season storyline, but I think that uh, when we get into the conflict of just like Feeny versus Alan and their their whole thing, that feels very true to the show. Yeah, that's that, and that's what I mean by that. Um, so we find out uh, here that they're going to see the Blue Angels, and uh, this is some father son bonding, and uh, we get a little well, bit. Of, Go ahead. Well, Morgan asks if she can go, and then Corey straight out says no. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, I think I even got that because, um, you know, Morgan wanting to – when I looked at this, I immediately was like, oh, father-son bonding, even before I knew that they were doing this Blue Angels trip. And um, Morgan wanting to come would totally ruin that. And I didn't even know where we were going with this, but it kind of shows really soon that this is a plan that's not really – you know, going to going to work itself out. But I do love the fact that Morgan wants to come and this being a show where Morgan's so um, encouraged to, to express herself. I also love how Corey's like, you know, she wants to be involved. And like five seconds later, she's just gone. And then and then she disappears when they look for <laughs> yeah. her again. But I think that speaks more to what Morgan is. She comes in, she says her one-liners, and then she disappears until one day she never comes back. <laughs> also very true. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, I like this little background story because Amy, there's a knock at the door. Amy goes to answer the door, and we see Eric in the living room talking, to, apologizing to Heather. Uh, the same girl from the first episode. Exactly. So there's some continuality there. I appreciate that. I was gonna say I love this little background storyline with uh, Eric and Heather. Like I, 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 her I, I look forward to seeing when it goes awry because you know one day we're just not gonna hear from Heather anymore. But uh, so oh, of course. Three well, episodes in. Eric's on the phone with Heather talking about like, hey, like, sorry I sucked your neck or something. Yeah, he's what? like, if you wear a turtleneck, no one will know, which gives us kind of the audience. We know what happened, and Corey even looks at his mom and is like, I sucked a neck. I'm a teen. Yeah. And it's like, a, <laughs> forgive me for, for living out loud. Um, uh, but he opened the door, and it's Leonard Spinelli. So, we meet Lenny, who is, I believe, the only co-worker of Alan's that we ever meet up until he leaves the grocery store. Uh, correct. Uh, I, I, I mean, again, you would know way better than me, but like, I think that that's the case. Yeah, because... Yeah, I think yeah, that's the only time we meet a coworker. What do you think about Lenny? Like what are your first Oh man, I think Lenny is 
again, a very classic TGIF trope is to have an, like an annoying neighbor type. I think that they were still trying to figure out what direction they wanted, to, where they wanted to go with the show. And so Lenny feels like something I'd see on the step by step. It feels like something I'd see on a Family Matters. It doesn't feel like something that is true to what Boy Meets World ultimately becomes. Exactly. There's like this whole, there's the exchange goes, I'm Mr. Matthews assistant manager. Lenny, I know you've been here 20 times. Uh, Lenny, I'm not sure if I make an impression on people. Yeah, you do. Can I just say, I actually think Lenny introducing himself to everyone again, every time he sees them is a pretty funny joke. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good joke. And they do it with every single character. Lenny does it with every, we will see Lenny reintroduce himself to every single character. And when character. he does it to like Corey and Morgan, that's when it's cute. And that's yeah, when it's funny. Yeah. But what, what I saw it as is a great bit of like meta commentary because it is one of those things where it's like, why would he answer the door and be like, hi, I'm the assistant manager. And I sure. feel like that was Michael Jacobs way of being like a oh like no he just says that to everyone he just doesn't know if people remember him oh so it was it wasn't really a joke it was just a lazy way to give us exposition exactly exactly (laughs) how i see it um but yeah um he said he's tried calling repeatedly um but as we can see eric was on the phone which kind of explains why he wasn't able to get through Uh, and again he mentions that you know, call waiting is just pennies a day, but the fact that they don't have call waiting ties back into what we were talking earlier about them being a family that's just kind of like at the edge of their means. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the explanation for why Lenny needs to pull Alan away from this event is so ridiculous and absurd. Um, if I remember this correctly, it has to do with uh, a spilling of puree water bottles. Perrier. Uh, the, Perrier. Bottles, the bottles of Perrier above the produce fell and there was a tidal wave down aisle six. Uh, I made note of that. And aisle six is where the... Alka-Seltzer? is, yeah. So it's like this whole fizzy mess that they have to deal with. Um, Something and- you would see in a cartoon. Like, <laughs> nothing that would have happened in real life. Like, that's yeah, just a no. while. Like, I thought, like, oh, maybe there was a fire, which eventually, sure, like, we'll get to that. Yeah. But uh, there should have just been a better excuse than, oh, uh, like, they're basically like, hey, the, the soda spilled all over the Pop Rocks. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that is, like, that is essentially what they're saying. It's a, it's a Pop Rocks thing. Uh, but what, what I really, really enjoyed about this piece, besides the fact that it's just absurd, is it does kind of set up this zany reason for Alan to be, you know, pulled away. And so Alan has to go, and and Corey says, I'm not spending enough time with my dad. If you leave now, I'll start taking ballet lessons. And then that's when we get into this part that, of course— Ah, uh, yeah, that felt, that felt real, like, 90s when I heard that. I was like, wow, we just put that on TV now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, a uh, if you do it now, I'll start taking ballet lessons. And Alan goes to leave, and— uh, Corey does like this little ballet stance to kind of like threaten him. Like, you know, if, if you're not around, I'll be sissified is essentially what it is. Uh, yeah. That, it's, it, this is a pre-woke life guys. This is, <laughs> I don't, I don't know when America got woke, but it, it was, it was it's not during this episode. This. <laughs> <laughs> it was after this. I like that. Uh, all right. And then that's our opening scene. And that's kind of like how we set up. Um, I will just say that, like, I know that there's going to be a few times when we're going to run into instances like this. And I, I'm OK to turn a blind eye. Like, I, I do understand that, like, there's there's only so much we can ask of people who didn't really know. I don't know. I, I It's a it's a weird thing. It's oh yeah. Uh, I do it all the time. Like, I'll look at shows set in, like, 2007, and, like, they're really homophobic. Or, like, they'll have some things, and you're like, ooh, we thought so differently back then. And it was like... Yeah, or just sexism was really... Like, how you were saying about How I Met Your Mother, like, I can't even watch it anymore. Like, it was just... It's... uh, It's just... uh, You're right. There's plenty of times watching How I Met Your Mother or, like, just other shows, and you're like, uh, maybe we... Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe this situation is kind of rapey or. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we'll, anyways, we'll forgive, <laughs> we'll forgive them for, you know, this, this slight mess up against uh, masculinity. But anyway, um, after the opening scene, Alan comes back home from work and he, he tries to wake up Corey to watch the Phillies no hitter. Um, 
And he and he asked uh, Corey if he wants to come down and watch. Corey's like, "Are you new here? Of course I want to." Yeah. Uh, and he invites Eric, and Eric says, uh, "I'm busy naked taking a test." Yeah, I I was I was trying to understand this. Was he in the middle of like a sexy dream? Is no, no, it's just, it's it's a play on the um, typical. A uh, little dream that you have where you're naked in class. It's like a nightmare, but like Corey, uh, sorry, Eric saying that he'd rather be doing that than, you know. Whatever. Yeah, but because he chose to rather be doing that is what made me think it was sexual in some way, but that's fine. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we weren't there. Uh, that's, a, that's a, again, a podcast for another time. <laughs> Uh, but they go downstairs, they watch uh, the game, and there's a, a bunch of, uh, like, grunting, grunt talk. And this is, again... Well, they immediately go back to what they were doing before, where they're eating these, like, monster bologna sandwiches, chowing down on chips and soda. Keep in mind, it's, like, past midnight at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's one thing for him to wake him up, but to, like, fill him up with bologna and soda, like, <laughs> I mean... Come on, Alan. What are you doing? That's a very good point. I didn't even think about the fact that he's feeding him all this food late on top of which. Yeah. Um, you're right. I wouldn't even eat like that unless I'm drunk. Uh, yeah. Late but at night. just like, I, like, yeah, he has school the next day. Just like soda that late? I don't know. Which leads to the time. whole don't tell mom. <laughs> Um, and I think almost any time, anytime on TV, someone says, don't tell mom, you know, mom's going to find out. And in real life, any situation where someone tells you, don't tell mom is probably something you shouldn't be doing. I'm just going to put Yeah. It, it just it immediately you as an audience member, you're like, oh, OK, so we're just waiting for this thing to. <laughs> you're right. It's like, oh, so mom's going to find out in like seconds. Um, and it just I, I do understand that there's this thing of Alan going like, oh, you know, I'm busy all the time with work. And I promised Corey I'd take him to this thing that I, I got pulled away from. So I'm trying to make it up to him. I know he would really appreciate seeing this Phillies game. The episode really kind of goes into the ethics of Alan's decision. Was it a good thing for him to wake Corey up, spend time with him or not. And I mean, I don't know how you really feel about it, but at, at this point in the episode, you are sympathetic to what Alan's doing. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to ask you, do you have anything like this where it's like, you're because Corey and um, Alan bond over baseball. And as we mentioned in our first episode, baseball is kind of Corey's love interest at this point in time in the show. This is Corey's... He's obsessed with it, yeah. Yeah, and and you can see that it's something that him and his father also bond over. Do you, you and your dad have, like, anything that it's it's like a your thing? Uh, I mean, not really. I know that me and my mom would, like... She, every now and then she would like pull me out of school to like do something cool. And I do remember that and that being really awesome. Like even if it was just like, uh, you know, we were leaving for Thanksgiving, but she would take me out of school like a few days early or something like that. Like I did always remember that and appreciate doing that. All right. See that. That's what I meant. Like, like yeah. Do you have like a parent bonding like thing? Mine is like my, my parents never like took me out of school to do things, uh, unless it, of course, like was for their schedule. But my my dad and I, uh, television, movies, like the Bat Batman series, and like all that other stuff. To this day, yeah. it'll just be like, oh, have you seen like this episode or have you seen this show? Uh, and that's kind of like how I connected with this storyline. Being like, well, funny you say that because. Another thing me and my mom would do is we would watch TGIF every Friday. We there would you watch go. Boy Meets World. So and this was part of our so This is time. part of your, your whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so of course, as we were saying, Alan says, don't tell mom. Um, and then even Corey's like, mom's not in on this? Uh, <laughs> this is like a... Yeah, he, he just fully feels weird about it. He should feel weird about it. Yeah, very much. Uh, no, this is father-son bonding. Your mom can never know about this. Uh, and again, as we said, Amy is, of course, going to find out about it. And then uh, Corey says something which is, you know, kind of like that wholesome moment, which is that this is as good as watching those Navy planes any day. Yeah, that, I thought that was a really sweet moment. And it, it really just showed that Corey, uh, what Alan intended for Corey to feel is what he ended up feeling. So I, I you know, it's exactly it was about stayed up late, but they had a moment that Corey's going to remember and cherish and it's going to lead to them having a better relationship. So it, it's that ethics question. Was this a good decision or not? Yeah. And it's about the quality time uh, that 
Alan spins with Corey. And I think, you know, something like the uh, Blue Angels is like flashy and big and roaring, but just being able to spend like 30 minutes extra with your dad late night eating bologna sandwiches uh, is just as cool. Um, Sure. And we definitely learned from the last episode that Alan is busy. That is something that we are learning as an audience is that he's constantly having to do things either at home or at work or having to go to work afterwards for whatever thing Lenny can't handle. He's constantly being pulled every which way. So it makes sense even from the last episode that Corey would feel he doesn't spend a lot of time with his dad. And so I I think that this is a a storyline that just makes sense within this dynamic that they've built. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So of course um, we end on this really sweet note, but the next scene we're in school, Feeney's collecting tests. um, And can I say something about this? Um, When we're in the, classroom the next day we are in a different classroom set than the classroom that we had in the first episode the pilot and this is the classroom set that we keep for the remainder of the season and in the final episode when they like have their goodbye to mr feeney this is also the set that they go to oh really is this the i was gonna say i knew this uh this set looks familiar and this is definitely the area that uh, is more what I think of when I think of a Mr. Feeney and the class. This was Dream Try Do Good. This was this set. Oh, all right. I like it. Which is, or at least a recreation of it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A recreation of it. And that's really fantastic. Um, in this episode, we get a little bit of Minkus and the rest of the class. You know, again, we go back into it. Uh, I like it because, what is it? Feeney goes, Minkus, you know, this... Uh, this assignment didn't include an essay, and um, but I'm happy that you included one. And Sean goes, suck up. Minkus goes, future plumber. Well, what I love, too, is that they've... Gosh, Minkus is just such a better character than even Sean at this point or whatever third seat kid because he's the antagonist. He is the one who is making like being a kid look easy while Corey is confused and doesn't know how to go about doing anything. It's, it seems correctly. So for Mink, it's just to be like, yeah, you know, I, here's my test and I wrote extra answers and yeah, I stayed up late too. And I, I feel fresh as a daisy and, and not, it doesn't seem like there's any, um, weakness to Minkus and that highlights Corey's weaknesses. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I think it's funny because what I wanted to pull out here is again, how secure Minkus is in his role. Um, as as a nerd, you know, like he, he doesn't even back down for a second. Sean goes suck up. Minkus immediately replies, "Future plumber." Like <laughs> Minkus is thinking ahead. He's like, "Yeah, I may be on the bottom totem pole now, but you know, one day you'll need me." Yeah, he he is very aware of just like he, he just seems very driven. Yeah. He seems like almost like Alex P. Keaton type of driven, like very yeah. young, very precocious, knows what he wants to do with his life, and determined as how to get there. Yeah, you know. Also, we you kind of mentioned it earlier, but this is the first episode we don't have a third seat kid. <gasps> no third seat. Kid. Well, I guess if now that Minkus has been introduced, is there a reason to have a third seat kid? No, not really. I mean, because the story works fine, and there's no. There's no real place for another character right now. You have well, yeah, because we don't. We're not even introduced to Topanga until the next episode. So right now, it's really only Corey, Sean, and Minkus, which is I I obviously worked better than any third seed could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Feeney goes. This feels uh, a seam kind of short, which, by the way. Uh, mirrors what Alan said earlier about the chips. Like, remember just that feeling and the initial. And so this is kind of showing, like, you know, they're both experts. Oh, yeah. Look yeah. at that. Coming full circle. There's a little parallel. But yeah, Feeney goes, it feels a, a C minus short, and he goes directly over to Corey, and Corey is sleeping. Um, <laughs> he slept through the whole test. Yeah. And Corey goes, uh, how'd I do? And he goes, it feels like an A, or looks like an A. Oh, really? No, it looks like you put down an A. And, and he's yeah. like, well, you gave one answer, which was wrong. So <laughs> what, what, what grade do you think I'm going to give you? Um, and he's like, does it start with fa- the same letter as falafel? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this is that. Yeah, that's where we get the classic Ben Savage delivery because he does it. He sells it. He sells it. It's great. Yeah, and well, he goes on to be like, "Hey, Mister Feeney, cut me some slack. I was up past midnight last night watching the no hitter game with my dad." And Feeney just kind of rolls his eyes about baseball. He was like, "Oh, I thought you were going to say you stayed up late to watch something worth watching, like the Nobel Prize uh, announcements." And then Minkus starts giving like a full list of all the Nobel Prize winners, saying he stayed up all night and he's so super refreshed and he had no problems with the test. Again, proving himself to be Corey's antagonist um, by being able to be super smart and efficient, regardless of having the lack of sleep. Exactly. And then that's when you get the little bit about uh, Sean and Minkus's second back and forth where Sean's like teacher's pet. Minkus is like, fix a sink. And I, yeah. <laughs> I just love uh, I love how self-confident these characters are. But what's important uh, in that scene is even Sean is surprised that he got to stay up and watch it. Um, so even the kids kind of understand that, no, this is definitely it's a big deal it's something that they would have they wish they were able to stay up for they're they're envious of court yeah exactly so after this scene where i was even thinking about it when Corey was telling feeny what he got to do you know that that's going to come back you know that even if like a regular class even if your teacher didn't live next door your teacher's gonna call your parents and be like hey your child failed a test today and it was because he said he was up all night with you at least yeah. like, I feel like that's what my teachers would have done. So the idea that Corey just can't even see this far ahead kind of explains the next scene. Sure, because Alan comes home from work and he says hello to Amy. He says hello to Morgan. He, Corey comes running down the stairs. And the first thing he says is, Dad, Dad, we blew it. I got an <laughs> F on my test. Exactly. And I'm like, first of all, we blew it. No, you blew it. And you're still blowing it. It's like, a, don't bring me into this type thing. Well, he says, he's like, um, we blew it. Um, I failed my test because I stayed up with you. I mean, I told Mr. Feeney that we were past, we were up late watching the ball game and the incredible no hitter. And then he realizes that Amy's right next to him. And then just is like, oh, you know what? Maybe it was just a dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, as we've all tried to use it. Oh, maybe maybe I was thinking about the other person. I don't know. Not not us. Not you, Dad. And I think, uh, of course, Amy gets mad as she would, as any parent would. Uh, that he was up that late, and she tells him to fix it. And until you do, talking to Alan, until you do, you're grounded. Uh, and Corey's like, "Can she do that?" And Alan goes, "In certain ways, yeah, yeah, she can." <laughs> And, and this is something I wanted to bring up to you because I feel like there are very – there's not a lot of sitcoms where the adult parents have like a clear sexual relationship. And I feel like I can probably think of just a handful that like you felt that there was a real kind of like romance outside of their roles as parents. Um I don't know. Did you ever get that vibe? Well, I I disagree, but I think that's because almost all other sitcoms are at this time are about uh, unconventional parents. You know what I mean? Or it's just like a. I don't know. I just felt like there was times where like Aunt Viv would like try to like take Uncle Phil to the hot tub, and like there would be times where like uh, like Claire and Cliff would be in bed with like their pajamas, and they'd be super flirty. And I I, I don't know. There was just there's not a I I think it's a rare thing, but a good thing that they show that Amy and Alan have this relationship where they're not just parents; they're also man and wife i will give you that i will definitely say that um i'm as i'm watching in the last three episodes that we've watched it is very clear that amy and alan have their own storyline that we may not be privy to but like they they have their own things going on and that's you know that's good writing those are good characters um and also one of the things that i wrote down i was like oh, we've talked about this often Alan is hardworking. He's busy all the time. Sex is probably one of the very few pleasures in life that he has. Like, <laughs> I, I almost, I didn't. Uh, I wish Alan had a little bit more flaws. I guess in a way, it seems like he's without flaws. Other than like him keeping Corey up late seems to be a flaw. But there's still this question of whether or not that was even a bad idea. So I, well, I'm trying to figure out what his flaw 
is because he seems to be this this like they said in the last episode this superman this perfect guy well i also feel like i'm forgiving of that because he's only this is our third episode third episode in and i think that i'm not really sure how much we dive into alan as a character even as the series goes on but right now alan all we need to know about alan is that he works hard and he tries to be involved with his kids. And I think that's like the, the purpose of his character right now. Well, going back to our fan theory from the first podcast about how Corey, these characters evolve as Corey sees them. He only sees his dad as his dad. So maybe again, Alan does have a more complex personality, but we don't know that because Corey doesn't know it. Yeah. And actually, yeah, that, that fits, uh, especially for what we're about to go into. So Alan, of course, goes to fix it and he walks to the backyard and he tries to talk to Feeney, uh, which again, it's kind of really convenient to have your, uh, kids teacher next door. Well, can be depending on how you see it. Uh, he goes to the backyard and Corey kind of pits Alan against George. This is like where he's playing the two guys off of each other. Yeah, well, I mean, Feeney basically says to him, like, um, well, Alan says to him, hey, George, you know, it's totally my fault for the reason why Corey wasn't um, able to, you know, why he fell asleep in class. Um, Is there any way you can give him a makeup? It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. Can you help me out? And, you know, Feeney's like, I understand. I understand. I'm not going to give him a makeup test. And Alan's like, I'm confused. You just told me you understand. And he's like, well, there's a difference between understanding and condoning. And, you know, I have been an educator for this long and I can't make exceptions for every student, blah, blah, blah. This is just how it is. And it kind of just ends in this way where it feels like there's a little bit of tension between Feeney and Alan. So, yeah, like to dive into that more, it, there, what happens is he goes, are you going to fail a kid because his father tried to spend time with him? And uh, Feeney goes, I've heard every excuse of someone failing. And what would be my excuse if I failed? Uh, and then that's when Alan kind of sends Corey away. And like Corey doesn't really get where it's going. He just knows that like adults are talking now. But as the audience, we get that it's about to take a little bit uh, serious of a turn. Um, and Alan goes, I don't understand why you're making a big deal out of this. I, I really thought you understood that my job has me away. And um, then Alan says something where I was like, ooh, low blow. He goes, yeah, it does he, get kind of low blowish when he, goes, he brings up. If you had a son, you would understand why, but you don't. And I was like, dude, that's like messed up. Yeah. And and, and you could tell, too, that like Feeney's kind of hurt by it. it, And that's what's so great about his performance in this episode is that there's multiple times where you can tell that uh, Feeney is upset by what he's hearing. But it's not this like outward expression of upset it's just this really subtle quiet look that just shows that like i was hurt by this which is very feeny by the way like it's a the way that i think of the feeny characters he he gets upset but even when he's upset or is yelling he's more so trying to get a point across to you it's when feeny's quiet that you're like ooh, like yeah well <laughs> and he, alan is getting progressively more upset and he's like you, you know, he, we're hearing some of the frustrations and him complaining about things that we didn't hear about in the last episode. So he's like, you know, I'm running in between work. I constantly have to fix the attic and all this. And I'm just trying to find time to see my son. Like, this is our first time of seeing him not be like, oh, I'll do it with a smile. He's, he's actually showing he's a human. Yeah. Um, but it does get to this point where if you had a son, you would know that, but you don't. And George just is like, well, obviously we're not going to agree to this. The conversation's over. Yeah, well, well, Feeney tries to lighten the mood by saying, like, we're clearly on opposite sides of the fence here. Um, literally. And they yeah. like acknowledge that. And it's kind of like this lighthearted way to get out of a situation, which we've all been in, where it's just like, a, I feel like that took a turn for the worst. And so I'm going to remove myself from this. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and Corey's watching this and he goes up like as Alan walks back into the house, Corey goes, you've been fiended. Yeah, you've been fiend. <laughs> um, so now back in the kitchen, Amy asks how it goes and um, – this is what Corey's like. We failed, but because Feeney is a butt, and Alan immediately 
understands what he's done and he kind of switches over and he's like, don't call your teacher, but a good teachers are rare. And Feeney is a great teacher um, showing that he does understand. and He wants Corey to respect Feeney, um, which is just nice. It's nice just to show that they're just good people. And I, you believe that Corey ends up being a good person because you see Alan and Amy being good people and teaching their kids to be great people. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's actually um, thinking about it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a teacher, but I just hear very often that that just may not be where we're where everyone's at now like i feel like the theme is parents versus teachers as of late like i don't know oh totally i mean my my wife is a teacher and she always felt that like there were parents who would believe the student over the teacher which when i was a kid never happened exactly and that's this is when it harks back to me as well it's like a no your your parent sorry your teacher deserves just as much respect because your teacher is an adult and um you know they, their job is hard and there's some value placed on that in, within the home and i think that that's great that alan even though he's upset with me and he takes this time to be like you need to respect your teacher um, well and he does what he says is he's like you know what i he he's like in so many words I don't like the way you spoke about Mr. Feeney. Don't do it again. But why don't you go upstairs, grab your baseball stuff, and we'll go down to the Y and we'll hit some ba- like balls at the batting cage. So you're, you're seeing that like he's like, hey, I don't like that you did that. But now that I've made that clear, I'm, let's go spend some time together and hang out, um, which I thought was nice. Exactly. Uh, and then so as soon as Corey does go to get dressed uh alan turns to amy is like feeny's a butt <laughs> it's like a, again it's like a, you have what you wanted to say to your kid and the message that you have to get through but the moment that your kid's out of range you're just like all right now let's really talk about this well and alan kind of says he's like you know um Feeney's out there making all these good points. And like, like he immediately, he knows he's like, I was in the wrong for this. I know I'm in the wrong for this and I feel bad about it. And he doesn't really know where, what to, what to say or what to do at this point. So what I really like about this is in this scene, we get Amy who comes in and she says, I know why you did what you did and I love you for it, but you can't jerk his life around just to make up for your schedule. And again, that's a very that's a good lesson that we all should have like when it comes to yeah i felt like that was a very like high level concept that they were trying to introduce into a kid show yeah again i <laughs> i was like oh i could use that advice for myself it's like a, yeah yeah you, you are trying to make up for something but you can't just adjust everyone else's schedule because you feel bad about a plan you canceled. Sure. Yeah. What this really comes down to is that if George makes a promise to Corey, he either needs to do it or he needs to make up for it in a time that's not the middle of the night. Like, yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of where we're kind of getting to for the, it was this a good choice or not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and doorbell rings and it's Lenny. Well, introducing himself to Eric, yeah, exactly. who works at the store with Lenny. Exactly. I know. It's, it's yeah, um, we do that little bit where Lenny's uh, introducing himself. We go to the kitchen again and sorry to disturb you after hours, but there's a problem at the store. Alan's like, there's always a problem at the store. Well, they're making out, too, which is, again, harkens back to their relationship being great. Oh, yeah, that's actually true. Um, and that it even kind of startles Lenny. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That sorry I- to interrupt while you're giving mouth to mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, which is probably what he calls it, which I don't know. Lenny kind of seems to live a sad life in this little bit. That yeah, we- yeah. Well, I mean, Alan kind of like he's at this point where he's like, Lenny, you know, you're an assistant manager, right? Do you know when the assistant manager does? They take care of things while the manager's not around. You're the assistant manager. I want you to take care of this. And then Lenny, in so many words, kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I, you know, there's with the fire, there's not going to be a store to be manage anyway or something well, yeah, like that. Yeah, so what he says, and this is what's really funny to me, is he goes, Lenny, do you know why they have assistant managers? And he goes, no. And I'm like, all right, how'd you get this job? Like, how did you get the assistant manager position if you can't, like – Assistant managers are usually the most competent person outside of the manager. So what's going down at that store? (laughs) Yeah, it just seems that like, 
I don't know. He's a little too dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lenny's, exactly. Lenny's a, kind of a dumb character. I don't, I'm not a fan of Lenny. I'm not a fan of Lenny, which is kind of like what I was waiting to say earlier when I first asked you what you thought of him. I was like, I hate Lenny. Like, everything about Lenny. Yeah, well, he's, again, it just, it feels like a different show. It doesn't, it feels, it feels, it's, he's ruining the vibe. Yeah. Um, Corey comes downstairs. They're ready to go play tennis, um, which is what Alan told uh, Corey to get ready for. And that's when Lenny reveals that there has been a fire. Um, Of course, this means Alan has to go. He apologizes to Corey again. Um, And at this point in time, Corey's just like, don't worry about it. Um, Yeah. And he even says, like, Dad, you don't have to, like, wake me up in the middle of the night just because you canceled on me. It's fine. We can, like, do it another time. Exactly. And um, I think this is even where Alan's like, I feel like I failed you. Like, I'm not doing my my job as a dad. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> there's also that really funny moment where uh, Lenny's going to leave and then Morgan walks in and then he introduces himself to Morgan. And Morgan goes, Lenny, we've been through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's that. Um, but as, as I was saying with the Alan feeling like he failed, yeah. we get this little touching moment right before Alan leaves to go to work where – He's kind of like, uh, if it was up to me, you wouldn't go to school, I wouldn't go to work, and we would just hang out all the time. Um, and Corey's like, why don't we do that? And he goes, oh, well, the family's gotten used to eating, which is pretty much why, like, any adult does what they do. It's the fact that you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, well, what Alan ends up doing is saying that I was wrong and Feeney was right. Yeah. He says Feeney did the right and, thing. and so Corey's kind of in the spot where he's like, wow, you know, my dad was wrong. And, you know, what does that mean for me? And, you know, uh, kind of this is his probably maybe his first time having an adult say that an adult did something that was a bad choice. And it feels like Corey doesn't really know what to do with it. Well, yeah, because the next thing we see, uh, Corey's kind of just outside or near outside. He's not fully outside playing with his, uh, tennis ball by himself. And the ball goes over the fence. Oh, I roll on this whole thing because the way they set this up is that the, the tennis ball goes in the Feeney's yard and Corey sneaks in. He doesn't want to interrupt Feeney and he's walking through. And then all of a sudden a light shines on, on Corey. And we see that Feeney is sitting in two lawn chairs right out in the open. How did Corey not see Feeney? Well, yeah, there's that. And then also I was going to say, I have some thoughts about this and like, we'll get into it in just a minute, but like, why is Feeney outside doing this? You know, like if everything that Feeney says is true, what it really means to me and what this scene sets up is that Feeney wanted Corey to come join him. You know, it's like a, why? You know what? I would disagree with that, but I think the apple juice kind of rings true to what you're talking about exactly why else would he have a scotch bottle filled with apple juice ready to go exactly that's what i'm saying it's like he has two seats he's outside um and and what we gather is that he's clearly been reflecting yeah and i think that uh, to me i feel that maybe something that they do very often is that george can in fact hear what goes on in uh, uh, inside the Matthews house. And in, in my theory anyway, is that Feeney heard uh, Alan cancel again um, and, and kind of took that to heart and understood how valuable that the moment last night was. I, I disagree. I don't know if it's that. I think that George is just, he's, he hurt. He's, you know, thinking about the argument he had with Alan earlier, and it's just making him think like, you know what, if I had a kid, would I make that same choice? Because in the conversation that George has with uh, Corey after they sit down with their apple juice, you hear Feeney start talking about, you know, I had my experiences with my father. And, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to stay up and hear President Truman uh, announce that the war was going to end and my dad didn't let me stay up. And, you know, it's important for a son to spend time with their father. And Corey says, you know, how do you know that if you never spent time with your dad? And he goes, that's exactly how I know. Feeney has been sitting in the dark and um, he he talks about the time when he was a boy and there was a war going on. And you had, you know, 
he had to get like rations of butter and like you couldn't just get like even sneakers were made out of like uh, what was it like he couldn't get new sneakers because they were made out of tires and it would sure sure and stuff like that um and so this war was really really affecting his childhood so many things feeding couldn't do as a kid uh, because of this war that he just heard about going on. And then later on, he hears that the war um, is coming to an end and that they're going to announce it. And that is, to be honest, that's a pretty big moment, Uh, not even for a child, but just in general, if there's some far off force that's constantly interfering with your happiness and then you hear it's going to come to an end, that's a pretty big moment. And I understand his need. I mean, it kind of paints George as like a younger version of George, you know, still kind of dorky. It's not like the world. Series. Well, it's what George sports. says is that, you know, my dad wanted me to go to school the next day uh, instead of staying up late. And then he says to Corey, he's like, do you know what I learned in class that day? And Corey makes a little joke like, oh, this is a tough one. I'm sure this is like a, <laughs> going to be a test question or something and then he's like i don't know mr feeney i don't know what you learned that day and feeney goes neither do i and he starts talking about how education isn't about like specific test scores it's of course it's about the overall effect and you know he doesn't remember who he learned that day but he does remember that he didn't get to spend time with his dad or stay up late and how that that in that specific circumstance was a more important thing for him than going to school well yeah he even feeney even says that um how feeney explains it is that his dad didn't want him around his drinking buddies uh yeah which is a a very interesting uh dynamic to to point out um well i think i i I think it makes sense with george's character to believe that he had a dad that was maybe a little cold oh yeah completely um not only that his father has uh was a little cold which i i agree with but just george's relationship with his family because george and himself like we hear about his sister but even in this he goes you would think that my sister would know that i don't drink this you know this much um that i would get this set it kind of shows that feeney not only doesn't have children of his own but feeney just doesn't have a family dynamic that he's as close with that he which is why he invests so much into his students and so much into Corey and and sean and everyone else which is also why i think something like alan's statement earlier of uh if you had a kid you would understand uh it burns it's like a you, you yeah because George doesn't have a great family and uh, family life. And also he dedicates his entire life to all these kids. And he kind of in his own way feels as if they're his his kids, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, then Alan comes home and he says it's time for bed and sends kind of Corey in. And um, Corey asked, are we going to study that great European sneaker war? Well, which I loved and uh, Feeney was like yeah I'm sure we'll get to it and um, what does he say yeah, well, yeah. well as Alan and Feeney are kind of like oh well Corey starts to, he goes to bed and, and Alan says to Feeney like I just want you to know I'm gonna have him in bed um, early tonight and Feeney's like well I want you to know that if I did have a son and an opportunity presented itself for me to you know wake him up to watch a baseball game or to listen to the president on the radio or to do literally anything at all I would I would probably do it as well so you get this thing of like no one really knows what was the right thing to do well I think what's how I saw that uh, and I'm, I wanted to ask you this question following up but how I saw it is uh, first of all, this is the first time these two men have seen each other since the argument, which is there's always that like awkward moment of having to see someone that you just disagreed with very openly. Um, and- Although I will say I didn't feel any like heated tension. I felt like they were just kind of neighbors just kind of coming back like, yeah, we had this fight, but, you know, there's still respect. I didn't feel us. heated tension, but I definitely did feel or at least it's played to me as a very awkward moment. It is a. Uh, Sure. You know, it's like a, um, 
again, it's the the wound is still open. Is how I see. Well, it. what I think is interesting about both characters is that neither one was like, "Oh, I can't believe this person said this to me. I'm right. He's wrong." Both characters were like, "You know what? I think I'm wrong on this. Yeah. I, think I need to check myself." Exactly. And um, I was going to say, do you think from Feeny's last statement, do you think that Feeny regrets not having kids? Like, do you think that's like even something that's? I don't know if he regrets not having kids. But I think that he regrets not having maybe a family of his own of some kind, maybe not kids specifically, but just I don't know. You you do get this idea that like when he's like, oh, if I had the opportunity to wake up a kid for any reason at all. But I just that's not something I feel is consistent with his character. It's it's. Well, I also feel like I mean, I mean, you're right in the sense of consistency with the character, but I think that. When I saw this, it was definitely that line of like for any reason at all that I was like, "Oh, is there?" Yeah, what? you get you get a vibe of it that he's he's unhappy with the the choices that he made. And even if it's just for this moment, I think especially since we did come in on Feeney just kind of contemplating everything, I think this was just this situation was a moment for him to really think about where he is in his life. Well, he is he is a widower. So I don't know how much of that is playing into this as far as just like having someone to wake up, you know, to watch something important. It, it, it could just be part of that because we do later on learn that he did have a wife that passed. But, you know, that's that's good. At this point in time, we don't know that. And when I think about it, we don't really know that much about Feeney. We've heard about his sister twice now. Um, and then we hear about his father, but we we don't really get a sense of Feeney other than this wise older neighbor, which, again, if we're going with our fan theory of like we we learn as Corey learns. But, um, yeah, there's definitely I think this started opening up the question of like, who is George Feeney? Well, I think also, too, because of our fan theory of we know what Corey knows. I think because George does such a good job at keeping a professional distance between himself and Corey, that's the reason why we don't learn a ton about Feeney's personal life because Feeney keeps that very guarded, very private, separate from the kids. Um, Even though he does have this very almost personal relationship with them, there's still a separation there. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, Final scene is Corey's in bed and Amy comes in to say goodnight. And Corey's like, can I ask you a question? And he goes, earlier, dad said that Feeney was right. Then Feeney said that dad was right. At least that's what I think he was trying to say. He goes, it takes me a lot to, to get on his Well, when he says he was like, he was like, uh, at least that's what I think Feeney said. I usually can't hold my breath breath long enough to go where he likes to swim yeah exactly (laughs) yeah exactly um he goes but how come uh two adults oh sorry amy goes two adults can sometimes see things from a different point of view and both be right Uh, which again i like because what she's saying is she didn't say that any person was wrong she said that both of them had a different point of view and they were both right. Uh, and I think it's just this thing of just like a kid learning that there isn't always an easy right or wrong answer, um, that there are these gray middle grounds. There are these kind of ethical times where you don't really know for sure what's right and what's wrong. No one ever actually finally like comes to the conclusion that this was the right way to handle the situation it's left ambiguous and Corey's left confused from it and he's like well if they can be both right how come i'm always wrong like yeah exactly doesn't understand that he's kind of getting you can tell he's just this confusion is something that kids would experience as they start to learn more about more complex adult issues yeah and i think if on that it's like we start this series off with Corey asking a lot of questions about adult dynamics um and i mean that's i mean if if this story which it is is a coming of age tale i think that that's a very important part of learning is asking those questions and understanding the ambiguity between you know that it is possible uh to have several perspectives on one issue sure and so you know alan and amy they come in they they kiss them good night Alan looks at Amy. He's like, hey, am I still grounded or what's good? Like, exactly. Hit it. What's up? (laughs) So before we get there, but because I want to I want to hit on this point. Um, He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. And 
Corey goes, tomorrow, what if there's like a no hitter? What if the president wants to speak? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Alan goes, it can wait till tomorrow because your dad will always be here to tell you about it, which is, I mean, like, it's a little uh, TGIF, but it's also very Boy Meets World and very much a look. I know that we had this entire thing that we just went through and you don't know who's right and who's wrong, but the only thing that matters is that I'm here for you. Sure, sure. And this whole thing of just like, hey, um, if something important happens, like, I don't know if I'll make the decision to wake you up for it. But don't worry, like, I'll at least talk to you about it. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna make time for you is what he's saying. Exactly. Uh, Which is a a great way of handling that whole thing. And then we get to the whole, am I still grounded? We'll talk about it. And Alan's like, talk. And then Corey goes like, he won't be back tonight. Exactly. He knows his parents are going to be doing it. (laughs) He's happy about it. He doesn't know what it is, but he definitely uh, knows that Alan will be preoccupied. Uh, That's that's interesting. You know what's so funny is to think that 11-year-old Corey made, like, a sexual reference because Corey's one of the most, like, asexual characters. So, like, at least up until, like, 15 or 16. And so it's just interesting to see him make that 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 connection in, like, a, a joyful way. Exactly. Again, I feel like it's very, very much a uh, for-the-audience type closer. Um, but I loved it. I loved it. So let's go into our Feeny Taught Me, uh, where we discuss the moral of the episode. Where you at? What you got? Um, I think the moral of the episode, and again, because this isn't a, a whole episode about morals and, and ethics, it's, it's hard to know what the right thing to do was. But I think that the lesson was, um, you know, there might not always be a right answer, but there is a right way to handle these situations. And I feel that by looking at the examples set by Alan and Feeney about how they were able to just kind of say, you know what, I may have been wrong about a few issues. You may have been right about a few things. Let's just agree to disagree. I felt like that they were showing Corey how to go about handling this without outright saying it. Yeah. So I think that's the lesson to take away. Yeah, I wrote um, my the more I got from this was like in a world full of responsibilities, it's important to respect the responsibilities of others. You know, there's a very big part about respecting Corey's time and Feeney's position and Corey respecting his parents and his teacher. I think just respect of each other is uh, the takeaway of this. But then also that quality time uh, is just as important as uh, for for growth as education is. Um, sure, sure. And I think that's kind of, again, the, there's no one is more than the other because they're kind of weighted equally. It's like a um, quality time with family uh, or education. It's like you can't really choose. You need both in your life and both are equally important. And so that's, that's what I got, got from. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Do you know, do you have a grade for this? Uh, being honest, bro, I think I'm going to give it a C plus. C plus, really? That low? I need to just remember. <sighs> I just feel like I'm coming out the bat, like give it kind of feeling really just excited just to be having the podcast and watching <laughs> the show that I'm I'm grading a little higher than I should because I know that there are better episodes and I don't want to give like this one a B and then we get to like a better episode and it's like, well, do I give this an A plus plus? Like, what do I do at that point? So just trying to keep things in perspective and mostly because of Lenny, I'm going to give this episode a C plus. So it's so funny you wrote that. I literally... I, I'm kind of doing the opposite where it's like a, to me, I'm like, I enjoyed this. Hey, A plus, but uh, like, and then later episodes that I love, I don't know. I'll have to like invent a letter to show how much. Yeah. That's, and that's, and that's what I mean. Like, I don't think C is a bad grade cause Corey is a C student. <laughs> no, well, but, but I, I think that at least, and you'll probably recognize this too, that this episode and the last episode were home-based episodes, not really school-based episodes. And I feel the show shines more when it's school-based and not home-based. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree. I was going to say that I, too, gave the episode uh, demerits because of Lenny. It was literally because (laughs) of Lenny that I was like, you know what, as much as I loved the message and I loved everything about this, Lenny brought you down a letter grade. So I, I think just, Lenny shows up in at least another episode, if not two other episodes. So, I, I mean, he he's at least in the season, we'll see Lenny again doing his whole Lenny thing. You're going to give it a C plus, you said? 
Yeah, I'm going to go C plus. What are you giving it, bro? I'm giving it a B. I'm going to just give it a solid B. Give I mean, it a B, bro. Everything that we talked about, I'm just going to give it a B. And we'll see. I mean, but the next episode, we are introduced to... Oh, my God. The, the next episode is, guys, if, the, um, if you're watching the show and you're like, oh, you know, maybe you're just listening to the podcast. Like, you could start this whole thing with <laughs> the next season one, episode four. Just start the show that way. Because this, this is actually one of the more memorable episodes like that we are going to talk about. Of the about. series. Yeah. Of, of the, the whole series. series. A lot is uh, a lot of, I guess you could say, like the storylines or whatever are pulled from this episode. I think that the next episode is where they figure out just what they want to do with the show. It seems like the first few episodes, like they had a pretty solid pilot. The next two episodes were like, okay, these are decent TGIF shows. But once you bring it to Panga and once you have this like Corey whole, I, I, I don't want to get into it. Just yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, the next like, episode's going to be great. We're talking about it like and we haven't even gotten into it. All right. So uh, thank you for listening uh, to Brum Meets World. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, email us at World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. Uh, that's X-T-R-A-C-E. E-E-J, uh, TC. You can find me um, on Twitter at Anna Kendrick RT, which is Anna Kendrick retweets. I simply just retweet whatever Anna Kendrick tweets. Um, I also am on Instagram at a braver me. You can follow me there. It's all fitness stuff. But if you want to check that out, feel free to. All right. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, remember to dream, try, and do good. Dream, try, do good, guys. Later. Later. Later.